There's a lot of different ways that people have come to know the Lord. Uh, and I've heard, uh, as you can imagine, I think hundreds of stories of people who move from ambivalent about religion or even hostile to it to faithful uh, followers of Jesus. But to me, one of the more unusual ones comes from C.S. Lewis, who uh, I can't praise enough uh, in terms of his writing, his thinking, all, all kinds of good stuff. But his journey actually started when he read the Gospels and was impressed and weirded out by this principle of you have 11 guys who are, in a sense, starting a new religion. And what is their sales pitch? Yeah? We lived with God for three years. Okay, good stuff. Right? We're right with them at this point. Well, how did you do living with God for three years? And this is where it gets weird. Well, we got everything wrong. Yeah? Every time he talked, we misunderstood it. Every time we talked, we said something stupid. When he needed us the most, we ran away. One of us, by the way, sold him for 30 pieces of silver. And another one denied knowing him. But follow us. That's the sales pitch. And nobody does that. Nobody makes that up. Follow me. I lived with God for three years, and I got every single thing wrong. And by the way, here's a story where we walked up to Jesus and said, put us in charge. Who makes this up? And that really caught Lewis. Who does that? And he knew his religions. He knew his world religions and it struck him. That's totally unique. Nobody else. Their sales point is, we got everything wrong. We needed conversion. We were cowards. We said really, really stupid things. Follow us. Then as he studied it even more, he came to see, well, that's where Christianity is completely unique. When the Christians started to first try to evangelize the Norse people, the thing that they couldn't get over was that they would say to the Christian missionaries, you worship a nailed God. That's what the the Vikings called him, a nailed God. Why would you follow a God that got killed? That's what St. Paul called the stumbling block for Judaism. And this, in the end, is if you go into the Dome of the Rock, I think it's the largest mosque in the world. I've been in there, and if you go in in huge letters in Arabic up top, it says, know all who enter here. It says a lot of things, but one of them is this, that God is one, not three, and he would not degrade himself to be killed. They get it. We probably don't. So that's what we're going to look at today. That what makes Christianity unique is, of course, I buy it. Just so you know, I I believe the Christian thing. I didn't know you're a little shocked. Um, But one of the great reasons to quote unquote buy it is because it's completely insane. That power itself took flesh and let us kill him for no other reason than love. It is a remarkable thing. And if you've paid attention the last three weeks, 
Mark has been building us up to this moment, to this shocking revelation of God, specifically here in how he uses his power. One of my favorite things in this Gospel of Mark is this passage where Jesus called the disciples together. And we've just had a moment, haven't we? Right? Two guys, two of Jesus' disciples come up to him, and I do like this intro. I've tried this with Jesus. Lord, I want you to do whatever I ask of you. I've tried this. Um, And Jesus, of course, what are you looking for? We would like to be in charge. I shall be on your right and my lesser brother on your left. And so then the disciples, the other ten, they're mad at those two. Why? Well, they got there first. Yeah? And again, who makes this up? And what's Jesus' response? He doesn't doesn't chew them out. Calls them together and he tells them the truth. Ready? You know that those who are recognized as rulers over Gentiles lord it over them. Their great ones make their authority felt. But it cannot be so among you. Rather, whoever wishes to be great among you must be the servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you must be the slave to all. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's the heart of it all right there. That as lovers of Jesus, the way we exercise power should be like Jesus, not like the world. And I would love to tell you about the great ending, but usually that'll get you killed. That's what happened to him. The world doesn't know how to treasure it. But he does. And I don't know if you noticed, but it works. There's 1.1 billion Catholics in the world, despite our best efforts. And it's because we look. That's what he did with power. That was his answer to our violence. Well, kill me. That was his answer to our pride. I'll show you humility. He could have crushed us into righteousness. And I think we'd have been happy because that's easy. But instead, he convinces us. And he says, this is what power looks like when it's exercised well. Now, what I think we need to do this week, and theoretically every day, is look at what power we have. Now, For some of you, you might think, well, I'm too young to have power. Some of you might say, you're too old to have power. And some of you might say, I'm too poor to have power. I can't think of anyone who would say, I'm too rich to have power. But whatever it is, you have power. And you have more than you think. And the way you and I use that power needs to be like Jesus. Namely, we lay it down for other people. There is one thing, and I, it's hard to explain because it sounds so cheesy, but it is, to me, I'm learning of epic importance. That here's one power you and I have, no matter how small or how mighty, it's the same power. We can change 
we can, we can change someone's day. Every day, you and I come in contact with people hit and runs, right? Maybe it's at a counter uh, or a gas station, or maybe they're driving and need to be taught to drive. I don't know. <laughs> Quick note, the left lane is for passing. All right. <laughs> but within those moments of contact, we have power to change someone's day. And I know this, again, might sound trite, but I see it all the time in restaurants, in the service industry, where you just know someone has been beat all day. And how beautiful if you're in their line. And yeah, you've got power. You can make them as miserable as you. You can put what they're doing ahead of their dignity. You can. But we shouldn't. We should remember, well, that's God's child I'm talking to, so I'm going to bring them joy. That's God's child I'm talking to, so I'm going to be kind. Just that basic thing can start in us this avalanche of love that goes out and changes other people's day. And again, I know how almost worldly that sounds, but... Worldly people do it on their willpower. You and I do it on the Holy Spirit's power, which means it has infinitely more effect than we could ever imagine. And when we get those little ones right, we'll get the big ones right. You and I have power. A lot of power. And we need to use it well. Not for our gratification, but for His glory. And again, I would love to say that if you and I do that, oh, people will applaud and then the credits will roll, blah, blah, blah. No, people will take advantage of it. They'll want more. That's okay. We're doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit, so we're not going to run out of fuel. So in the end, this is what I invite us to today and every day. Let's think about our power. What power do I have? And what am I doing with it? Am I making other people's lives better? Am I glorifying the Lord? Am I feeding the hungry? Or am I taking care of myself? It'd be awesome if we could get away with saying that Jesus flips everything upside down. But the truth is, we only think that because we're standing on our heads. He has it upside right. We have it upside down. And the violence and poverty and anger and fear is all because of that. So we'll flip the paradigm today. We'll put it back where it belongs. Where the least is on top and our power is there to serve them. Amen? Amen. Okay.